0: Good morning Two truths to always keep in mind Life is hard God is good Life is hard God is good Happy Mother's Day How do you do it? I look back at the back and I see Carl Ivanhoe. How did his mama do it? And it wasn't just him. It was a couple of more, too, three boys. How did she do it? I look at Carol Mayfield over here. Not only did she have kids running out her ears, then the grandkids came along. How in the world does she do it? (laughs) Right here sits my mom. (laughs) Some of you are already laughing, huh? You know where I'm going with this. How in the world did she do it? And I was the only one. I tell everybody the old Merle Haggard tune was really true. Mama tried. Mama tried. But really, when you stop and think about anyone who seeks to be a good parent, a loving parent, a godly parent, no person, no parent can do what they do without grace. Grace for the journey. And while I appreciate good moms more than I can say, I think good moms will appreciate me talking about God's grace today. Because as wonderful a day as Mother's Day is, and it really is, the Lord's day trumps Mother's Day. Grace changes everything. Open your Bibles to Psalm 34 and verse 8. I'm going to do what I really shouldn't even attempt But what I'm going to do is give you a gallery of grace in just a few moments as we will go through the New Testament and look at a number of passages on the subject and how blessed we are to have a God who is so gracious. But as we... Segue into that as we introduce the subject. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Kind of keep that in your mind and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. Peter, thinking, I suspect, about a passage like the one in Psalms I just shared with you, says that we should long, verse 2, for the sincere spiritual milk of the Word, that we might grow thereby. He goes on to state, If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. What we're going to do this morning is look at the New Testament as a gallery of God's grace. And while I know that Adam taught on that in Bible class this morning, and while I know that in recent times we have accentuated, we've stressed grace in some of our Bible classes and sermons, What I want to do is to give an encompassing gallery of grace by looking at passage after passage. About 155 times grace is referred to in the New Testament. I will mention about one-third of those as we break down the New Testament. When we think about the 27 books in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospel... We will look at grace in the gospel accounts. Then we'll spend a little bit of time looking at grace in the book of Acts, a book of history that really stresses conversion and the resurrected Christ and the church of Christ. Then we'll look at grace, third, in Paul's letters. 13 of them there are, and Paul has a lot to say about God's grace. We won't look at every passage, but we'll look at several. Then we'll look at the general epistles, the general letters from Hebrews to Jude. And finally, we're going to look at the book of Revelation and what it says about grace. Are y'all ready? Fasten your safety belts. Put on your crash helmets. We are going to have a ton of fun. But you're going to need your Bible handy, maybe even pen and paper. If you got an electronic edition of Scripture, great. You'll be able to come with me. But as we look at grace, let's begin with the gospel accounts. Turn to Luke 2 and verse 52. Luke 2 verse 52. When you look at Luke 2.52, it's a summary statement concerning the development of Jesus. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You say, where's the word grace? It's the word favor. Favor. Jesus grew in favor with God Good parents encourage their children to grow in favor, not simply social favor with others. That's important. But in favor with God, wouldn't it be great if every parent took parenting seriously like that? To help our children grow in favor, in God's grace. Go with me to another passage in Luke. Luke 4 and verse 22. Some time has elapsed since the events of Luke 2. But in Luke 4, Jesus is preaching. And in Luke 4 verse 22, the people marvel. At his gracious words. Jesus spoke words that were beautiful. He spoke words of goodwill. He spoke words of kindness. Is that the way that you and I typically speak? Wouldn't it be wonderful if people marveled at the gracious nature of our speaking today? We are never more like Jesus than when we speak with appropriate grace. Turn in your Bible to the book of John. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 14, then verses 16 and 17. Because John heaps grace upon grace in this section. John 1, 14. We beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten God or the only begotten of the Father. It goes on to say, full of grace and truth. Verse 16 speaks of his fullness and how that from him we receive grace upon grace, favor upon favor, good thing upon good thing. And then you look at verse 17. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Don't misunderstand. Didn't truth come from Moses too? Wasn't there grace that was given even in the Old Testament in its law? Well, surely. But something far better Far greater is seen in the New Covenant, the New Testament of Jesus. A better covenant with better promises. Hebrews 8 and verse 6. Let's go to the book of Acts. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts. Do we think about these tremendous blessings that are ours in the coming of Jesus due to God's grace? Look at Acts 2.47. Acts 2.47. Remember that Acts deals with the early days of the church, how to become a Christian, and with the fact that Jesus has arisen. We serve a resurrected Savior... We sing a lot about God's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sins, amazing grace. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. You look here at Acts 2.47 and the Bible speaks of God's people, the early church. It says that they praised God and had what? favor with people. There was something different, there was something special, there was something wonderful about these people who were known as Christians, Acts eleven twenty six, 26, and it's that they cared for God and the things of God and they were awestruck at His goodness in providing Jesus and salvation. Turn to Acts 4.33, the passage our brother Tannock read just a little bit ago. Acts 4.33. Are we as a congregation known as a, a group of people who are so in love with Jesus, that so want to show Jesus and talk about Jesus, that good people find that praiseworthy in us? Acts 4.33, great grace was upon the early church. In the New American Standard, from which Tim read, I believe it was abundant grace, or a a term like that. Overflowing riches from God was something that could be seen. God's good. You know, in the past week, a good friend of mine severed his spinal cord in an ATV accident. He and his wife were on that together. It was in the home of an elder and gospel preacher that Sheree and I had been in their home about six months ago and we had ridden those very ATVs and just had a great time with them. They're devastated over the injury that a loved one, a friend, had suffered in their home. I just get back from Focal Point and the hill country of central Texas, and a lot of places is underwater. And the farther southeast you go, you see things. There's so much that's tragic in this world. This world is hard, isn't it? It can be very hard. But we must ever remember that God is is good. God is good. I think about Rod and Gay Kyle. I think about Brother Solomon. Missionaries that we help support. Health issues that they're dealing with. Life is hard. God is good. Turn to Acts 11 and verse 23. Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement... If he were alive today, we'd call him Brother Barney. Brother Barney was such an encourager. And in Acts 11, in verse 23, it says, When he saw the grace of God, he was glad. Not only should there be great grace, abundant grace, that's evident among God's people, because we belong to Him, God's good and gracious It should be seen. Do you have the ability to see God's grace? That's a pretty marvelous thing. And no matter what the circumstance, something about God's goodness can be appreciated, respected, and lifted high. We can praise Him. Acts 13:43 Acts 13:43 they exhort others to continue in the grace of God if we let terminology really speak is it possible to fail to continue in the grace of God i would think so Else why? Instruct others to continue in God's grace. To continue in the grace of God. Life is hard. God is good. God blesses. He provides. He is kind. Acts 15 and verse 40. We should commend others to the grace of God. I think we can naturally say sometimes, I just don't know how to made it if it weren't for God's grace. It was a hard time. It was a difficult time. It was a challenging time. Commending the grace of God to others. Look at Acts 20 and verse 24, Acts 20 and verse 32, and then we'll move on to Paul's letters. Acts 20 and verse 24 speaks of the gospel of the grace of God. The Bible is a book about God's grace. If you want to learn more about how good God is, especially when life is hard, turn to Scripture and let it really sink in. Absorb it. Meditate on it. Look at Acts 20 and verse 32. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. It's a message about grace, and scripture itself is a product of grace. It's a blessing, a gift given to us because God is good, and it can build us up when we are broken. My friend who suffered the spinal column injury may never walk again. Indeed, that seems to be likely. But he does not have to be broken because of God and His grace. Paul's letters, having highlighted a few passages about grace in the gospel accounts... And in the book of Acts, let's go now to Romans. Romans 3 and verse 24. Don't miss this one. Being justified freely or being justified by his grace as a gift. We were guilty, we were lost, we were people who, due to sin, deserved punishment. We often say, if you do the crime, you do the time. Imagine crimes against God, and that's exactly what sin is. And Romans 3.24 says we can be justified, not guilty. That there is an acquittal. Though we were as guilty as sin, pardon the expression, but it's true, we are declared not guilty and right. But let's go one step farther because really that doesn't take it far enough. It's not that we're just pronounced not guilty. Justification by grace indicates that it was as if no sin were ever committed in the first place. You talk about expunged from the record... Remember what is said in Jeremiah 31 as well as in Hebrews chapter 8. Your sin and iniquity will I forget. Is that what it says? It's kind of like a few of us on Mother's Day. You better not forget, huh? But there's only one way it could be worse. If you chose not to remember I knew it was Mother's Day, but I chose not to remember. Uh Uh-oh. God deliberately chooses not to remember our sin. Due to grace provided in Jesus. The Bible talks about this more in Romans chapter 5. Look at Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. It says that we have access by faith into grace in which we stand. The faith that saves is obedient and loving and humble faith. Romans 1 verse 5, Romans 16, 25 and 26 speak of the obedience of faith. How can anybody think that grace alone saves while grace alone? Is the foundation of salvation. Faith is the basis. We have access to the grace of God through faith. Access by faith into grace. Again, Turn to Romans chapter 5 and look at verses 20 and 21. And this is such a great passage. Where sin did abound. Paul doesn't pull punches. Life is hard. Sin is real. God is good. Here's what happens. Where sin did abound, grace did much More did much more abound. So, the question of Romans 6, verse 1 is really practical. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, may it never be. 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verses 9 and 10. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, Paul says, and listen, think about it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Forgiven, a Christian, a servant of the Lord, a child of the King, a follower of Christ by grace. That takes care of pride, doesn't it? Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, eight, verse nine. For you yourselves know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet he for your sakes became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. He came down to make sinners clean. He came down to make paupers rich. He came down to make the separated Reconciled. Grace. Everything He did in coming, everything He did in speaking and living, and everything He did in dying, He did due to grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able... To make all grace abound to you. Isn't that exactly what he does? Look around, and we have a lot of guests here today. Family's a gift of grace. Isn't that right? Families can be hard. But there's a lot of good, isn't there? Parents, there's some sorrows, aren't there, along the way? But aren't there great joys and gifts and blessings? And God is extra good because then grandkids come along. Life is hard. God is good. God is gracious. Galatians. Turn to chapter 2 and verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Do we? There's two basic ways the grace of God can be frustrated. One way is to presume that you can live any way you want and maybe ask for forgiveness later. I'll do what I want. This is what I want to do. And I'll ask for forgiveness later. That is frustrating grace. But the other extreme, the other view that's flawed, it's sinful, it's wrong, and it's just as bad is thinking about grace as if everything depended on us. I do not frustrate the grace of Look at chapter 5 and verse 4 of Galatians. Paul speaks of the possibility of falling from grace. The fact that it's possible doesn't mean it has to occur. Recognizing God and His gracious provision... Holding on to Him? You who would be justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. I'm going to stop here. But I will continue, Lord willing, tonight as we keep looking at a gallery of grace. And the reason why is because life is often hard. But to keep the picture gallery of God's grace in mind can do an awful lot to help us with our outlook and our faith. Don't you agree? How great and awesome God is. As we close, I want to look at a passage I'll look at later. But I want to share it with you tonight, uh, right now in closing. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. The passage there, and it's Peter who knew life could be hard. He'd fallen so much in his life, he'd fallen flat on his face. It was well known. And now this mighty man of God, this wise man, this apostle, writing to a group of people who are being persecuted, he wants to give them hope. And he says, the God of all grace. Mark it. Never get the idea... That God is anything less than the God of all grace, and He is able, He's able to confirm and establish and restore and strengthen because all grace is found in Him. How do you respond to the God of all grace? We've studied already that it's through faith that loves and seeks to obey and is humble. Have you come to Jesus in humble, loving, obedient faith? Believing He's the Son of God, turning from your sins in repentance, confessing His sweet name before this very assembly. Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe that with all of my heart and being buried in water for the forgiveness of our sins and at that very point being added to the church, the body of Christ. Grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Your view of grace and your application thereof makes all the difference in heaven or hell. But not just heaven or hell, but your outlook in life. Let us stand and sing.